27th of October 2019, Sunday, 2.55pm. My name is James and this is Weird But Wonderful. Welcome, welcome back. It's your weekly dose of weirdness and exploration into the minds of strange people doing strange things. Hey, if you've ever people watched, if you've ever cringed so hard at a human interaction that you physically couldn't handle it, which I do daily and through television programs as well, actually, or if you've witnessed human behavior so questionable, you th- you said out loud, who the fuck does that? Then this is the show for you. We've got everything from psychology journals and peer-reviewed studies to ridiculous news stories, and we're just trying to understand what makes people tick. But before we jump into this week's topic, I just wanted to quickly mention the brand new newsletter I've put together for you that you can sign up to for free right now. Uh, the link <laughs> that sounded so infomercially. You can sign up to that newsletter right now. Uh, <laughs> the link is in the show notes. If you head over to any of the socials as well at One Weird Podcast and click on the link tree in the bios, you'll also find a link to the newsletter in there. But basically, I'm doing away with the website. Websites. This is 2019. Who needs a website? You should probably have a website. <laughs> if you, if you ha- hey, particularly if you've got a business. If you have a business, keep your website. Um, but I'm doing away with the website. And instead, I'm having a, a newsletter that will hit your inbox with every new episode of the podcast that gets you exclusive weekly insights and everything else you're used to. The detailed show notes, the custom, mwah, handcrafted, bespoke, artisanal cover art and more so if that sounds like something you'd be interested in again the link to that uh to sign up for that is in the the show notes but that all being said i want to talk about how recently a lot of media attention has been focused on why females especially teenage girls are so fascinated with serial killers in particular ted bundy ted bundy has been coming up a lot lately ladies love true crime and that's basically what this whole episode is about According to Bundy expert Kevin Sullivan, some girls wish he was still alive so that they could date him. MTV.com describes a TikTok trend in which girls videotape themselves as his victim and some even pretend to be him, which was, I'll tell you what, that was the most buckwild shit I heard this week. (laughs) Hands down. Oh, what's that? You are on TikTok? Rad. And what do you do on there? You pretend to be the victim of a serial killer okay well i guess sort of the internet has removed gatekeepers and now anyone can really sort of make the content that they want to make that's strange that that's what you wanted to spend your time doing but okay uh according to the mtv article (laughs) a lot of judgment just came out of me right there (laughs) uh according to the mtv article Quote, hundreds of teens are role-playing Ted Bundy and other serial killers, as well as their victims. They have thousands of followers, most of whom approve of the morbid depictions. Some show themselves pretending to prepare for a date, only to be killed and dragged away. Some even put makeup on to present their bruises from such an encounter. One girl even falsely posed as Bundy's granddaughter. How do you share this content with someone for the first time, is my question. You know, like, have you ever done something that you're embarrassed about and maybe you don't want to share with people, but it's a thing that you do? Surely that'd fall under this category, right? Oh, you're on TikTok? Me too. What's what's your username? I'll, I'll follow you. Uh, it's uh, BundyLover6969. Like, 
like Ted, but yeah, like Ted Bundy, like Ted Bundy. Oh, like okay. Oh, and I see your videos are of you pretending to be killed there. Okay. Yeah, I've also got some videos where I'm the killer. Oh, that's that's good. That's good. Where are your parents at, dog? Are you okay, honey? I heard a loud bang. Get out of my room, mom. I'm playing serial killers and victims again for my TikTok audience. Oh, crazy kids in their social media, right? What What are your parents doing? That you're just off making on... I hate the term content. Okay, I'm a big guy. I don't say that, but that's what this is. You're out there making digital content for others to consume and for some reason there is a sizable audience for this. Of you pretending to be the victim of a real life serial killer. It's, but I also have, it's the same thing for me when I see someone in a video game and they have just the most heinous name you've ever seen. Like asshole shit fucker 420. Cause I, I, I often think like, what if a new work colleague, you and a new work colleague got into a conversation about how much you both enjoyed Overwatch and they're like, oh, f- well, fuck yeah. You know, I mean, Anna, what are you into? I mean, Reinhardt. Hell yeah, dog. How about tonight we jump in and we play a game together? Yeah, sounds great. That's fine. Just add me on Battle.net. Come Lord 69. That's C-U-M, <laughs> Lord, the number six, and the number nine. Cool. So I'll be on around eight whenever you want to hit that party up. Awesome. It's like... <laughs> Do you ever think that you would have to share that with someone at some point? Uh, yes. Here is my TikTok content that I like to make. Am I... Because uh, uh, I've told... Since I re- since I found out about the fact that people are pretending to be... Th- not pretend... They're, they're t- think of how fucking crazy this is. And I think I might be the only one who thinks that this is as insane as it is because I've told people about this since I found out about it and their response has been like, yeah, that's pretty weird. That's pretty weird. You have to think about all of the, th- the things that go into that. You've got to think, you've got to, you've got to conceptualize it. Hmm. What's, and, and what victim shall I play today in my TikTok video? Now I have to like m- mentally storyboard it. Then I have to set up my camera. I've got to like get my, pick out my outfit, do my makeup for the thing, come up with a little story in my head. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Set up the camera, tap that record, get the, you know, you probably do it multiple times to get the best shot of you pretending to be the victim of a serial killer. I'm getting heated <laughs> on this one. This is so fucking left of field for me that i i cannot even begin to wrap my head around it and it's it's like a trend there's like it's not like a person is doing it people are doing it and it says here that there are thousands of people who are like fuck yeah this is my kind of shit every single one of those people needs to go on a list and be watched (laughs) I digress. <laughs> let's get back to let's get back to these studies, shall we? Or these journals. We already know from research published in Social Psychological and Personality Science 
that many more females than males are fans of true crime narratives. Women pretty much dominate the ratings for networks that run true crime all the time. Which is strange. Why is it that women love true crime so much? We're going to find out (laughs) today, right now. Eisenberg says that these women are not crazy. Okay. Hollywood's romanticization of violence as seen in the Netflix Ted Bundy biopic, is one factor that encourages the female fascination with killers. Likewise, America has always had a history of loving the outlaw. Quote, America is a country focused on the Wild West. Can we not? Can we? I know that you have to sort of keep your research to like where you're at or whatever, but just part part of it to me feels like America thinks that they're the center of the universe. I probably shouldn't be saying that. The largest audience that listen to this are American. I take it back. America's great. Keep listening, please. Share it with your friends and family. Rate five stars on iTunes. Um, <laughs> America is a country founded on the Wild West. The cowboy is tall, lean, mean, with two six shooters on his hip, settling the frontier. That's our history. The cowboy is a heroic outlaw. Eisenberg said. Eisenberg said that. Southern accent. All me. <laughs> in the 1920s, American newspapers obsessively. Excuse me. In the 1920s, American newspapers obsessively covered gangsters like John Dillinger, Pretty Boy Floyd, and Legs Diamond. Pretty Boy Floyd. Pretty cool name. <laughs> Pretty cool name. Uh, I probably shouldn't be co-signing that name just because I don't know what Pretty Boy Floyd did and it could be some fucked up stuff and now people are going to be like, hey, James said the P- Pretty Boy Floyd's got a great name. He backs what he did and he did that bad shit. Just saying. <laughs> I would like to officially have an official letterhead here. Um, weird but wonderful. Hi, my name's James. I would like to take this opportunity to distance myself from any actions that Pretty Boy Floyd uh, partook in. Any, any, anything he did, I would like to distance myself from that. I would just like to say the name Pretty Boy Floyd is a pretty cool name. Let's continue. Part of the celebrity worship culture is that, quote, we make heroes out of our shooters, Eisenberg said. Social media and reality TV are the most modern cause of female fascination with killers, according to Eisenberg. These killers become well-known through lurid headlines about their crimes, creating a kind of notoriety around them, and some of these women find their own 15 minutes of fame by falling for them. These women are not crazy, Eisenberg stressed. Writing to serial killers is filling some kind of need. One of the basic human needs is to be known, to be acknowledged. Who would you write to who is famous that you know will write back? A convicted murderer. They'll write you back. That was all the quote, by the way, by Eisenberg. I don't know if that's my first port of call. Maybe. If I had to write to someone famous, probably a bit easier in, a, in Australia, though. You know what I mean? Because people here, even, even though they're famous, they seem maybe more accessible. I don't know. Am I off on that? Let me know. Even that seems like a, like a strange jumping off point where someone's like, well, one of the basic human needs is to be known and to be acknowledged. Who better to be known and acknowledged by than a famous person? Why specifically a famous person? Well, well, you know, let's just say a famous person is good to be acknowledged by. Who is an easy famous person to maybe get to write to you a serial killer? Sorry? 
In June 1980, serial killer Ken Bianchi Bianchi, received a letter from 23-year-old Veronica Lynn Compton asking his advice on a play about a female serial killer. This led to a pen pal relationship which blossomed into a full-scale romance. Over the course of their correspondence, the two decided they could muddy the pending case between Bianchi by planting evidence that suggested the killer was still at large. So in September 1980, just a few months after they began their relationship, Compton visited Bianchi in prison, smuggled out his semen, and attempted to kill a random female and plant evidence at the crime scene. Luckily for the intended victim, Compton was an inept murderer and was arrested and convicted after bungling the murder attempt. Dog. I know. And again, you know, Ted Bunny apparently was a you know, very charismatic guy. Right. And, you know, Charles Manson, he convinced a lot of people to do, you know, weird and wackadoo shit. Right. So I'm assuming a through line here with serial killers, fairly charismatic, fairly good at manipulating people, getting getting them to do things right. Influencing people. These are the old school influences that advertising companies would have paid millions for. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Oh, I hate that that this is an aside, just real quick. Um, the marketer and me would just like to jump out of this um, serial killer story for a second and say that I hate that people who are um, creatives, particularly in the online realm, I really detest the fact that those people are now referring to themselves as influencers. That term was invented by marketing and advertising people to categorize you for how they're going to spend their money. You you were an allocation on a marketing budget and you were written down as influencer. Please stop demeaning yourself by accepting that as a title that you call yourself. If you make films online or a web series, you're a filmmaker. If you, you know, you make comedy, you're a comedian. You're a podcast, you're a podcast, you know what I mean? Or you do art, you're an artist, or you're a creative, a creator. Call yourself something like that. Please stop calling yourself an influencer. It's the worst. It's the worst thing in the world, and I really hate it. Anyway, jumping back into serial killersville. You've got to be pretty fucking convincing to be like, hey, look, here's what we're gonna do. I'm a nut in this container. You're gonna sneak the nut out. Now. What are you going to do with the nut? You're going to kill someone. That's, shut up. Hey, shut up. I'm not done with the plan yet. Don't interrupt me. You're going to take the nut, my nut, and you're going to kill a woman, okay? Now, you have to kill the woman. It's it's vital to the plan. Then you're going to put the nut on them. Bing, bang, boom. How could I have killed them and done the nut? I'm in jail. And that's going to, how would that have, could, would people have just been like, well, that's confusing. I guess let him out. (laughs) We found some evidence in this other case and it's pretty confusing. So we've decided to let him free. What? I don't understand. I don't understand the logic there. Anyway, um, another case, the Veronica Compton case is an extreme example of a rare type of serial killer groupie, the hybristophiliac. Hybristophilia, first defined by the sexologist Professor John Money. Now that's a good name. Professor John Money? Love it. 
is a paraphilia in which sexual arousal, facilitation, and attainment of orgasm are responsive to and contingent upon being with a partner known to have committed an outrage, cheating, lying, known infidelities, or crime such as rape, murder, or armed robbery. How's your sex life, dog? I'm into feet stuff. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I'm into murderers. Oh, okay. Well, that's a little bit different to the stuff that I'm into. I'm into foot play. You're into murder play. Interesting. You know, we've all got our thing. Don't kink shame me. I'm into killing. I can't imagine what my neighbors think when they hear me yelling half of this shit. (laughs) Maybe that's why they don't talk to me. Anyway, most individuals with this paraphilia have no desire to commit a crime themselves. Okay. Their vicarious exposure to violence is enough. Oh, okay. So it's like a contact high. Oh, no, no, no. I don't, uh, sorry. I don't want to, I don't want to commit a murder. I just want to feel the essence of one. What? Yeah, I want you to murder. And then for me to sort of like, just know that you've done that. Oh, I love that. Okay. Kind of like secondhand smoke, secondhand murder. I love secondhand murder. Instead, they develop a deep attachment to the perpetrator behind bars, making excuses for what he did, fantasizing about rescuing him from prison or his own inner demons, and believing that the special connection the two of them share would protect them from any harm, no matter how many other people their inmate has victimized. Okay. So they're sort of like living in a little immunity bubble, kind of. They're like, ah, fuck it. I can help him. He loves to murder. And I love secondhand murder. So we're a match made in heaven, but I'm going to help him. Are you going to help him? Because it sounds like you're into the fact that he's doing the murder. Ah, bah, 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 bah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get to that, okay? We'll both go to counseling cheaper at the same time. Here's an example of an erotic fixation with Luca Magnotti, the charming Canadian who tortured kittens and sent human body parts to various public officials. Quote, this obsession with you is taking over my life. I fear that if it weren't for ties in my life and the fact I need to work for a living, there would be absolutely nothing stopping me from picking up and leaving to be nearer to you. And this isn't some delusion. I know full well you're stuck behind bars and probably will be for the rest of your life, but I would attend your court appearances and visit you, lost in a world of obsessive fantasy. I refuse to believe the reports of people saying you were cold and creepy and had no friends. These comments just make me feel sad for you. I'm sad that you saw flaws when you looked in the mirror when all I see is beauty in you. I'm sad that your family ostracized you. It's really a shame that no one was ever there for you. It's not your fault you're so messed up inside. I'll never hold that against you. I think you just need help and I truly hope that you get that now and not just reprimand. So that's like a, like a, like a lady stan... For this Canadian killer, it hits him up with that message. Holy shit. So is it that they they kind of like feel like they can fix it? But it kind of feels like they feel bad for them in a way. Like, oh, you've only done this because like your family told you to fuck off or whatever. You know? 
Not all hybristophilia sufferers just sit back and rely on fantasies to get them through the night. Some women, and yes, for some reason, most hybristophiles are female, decide to join in on the fun. Fun in adverted commas there. They may participate in their lover's crimes by luring victims, hiding bodies, providing alibis, or as we saw in the case of Veronica Compton, committing murder. So some people, not all hybristophiles are uh, jumping in on the action, but some of some of them just like secondhand murder, getting that contact high, and then some people like to be the secondhand in the murder. You know what I'm saying? Different, but same, kind of. A small number of serial killer groupies are actually turned on by what repels most of us, the violent act themselves. And an even smaller number move from the thrills of vicarious violence to actual participation in the acts themselves. Holy shit. So some people are like, hey, f- dog, I'm just in the secondhand murder. And then they they feel the high of secondhand murder. And they're like, well, let me murder a little bit. Let me try a little bit of murder. They try a little bit and they're like, oh, yeah, that's my jam. And then they love to murder. So like a gateway drug to murder in a, in a sense. In her post, Women Who Love Serial Killers, PT blogger Catherine Ramsland offers some suggestion about why some women can be so attracted to or hopelessly beguiled by the most terrifying of human predators. At first, she provides explanations from the women themselves, women who actually married these dangerously unhinged criminals. Their reasons, somewhat elaborated here, include the assumptions that, one, Their love can transform the convict from cunning and cruel to caring, concerned, and compassionate. Two, there's a wounded child nested somewhere inside the killer that can be healed through a devoted nurturance that only they can provide. And three, they might share the killer's media spotlight and so triumphantly emerge from their anonymity and maybe in the process even land a book or movie deal, an aspiration about as cynical as it is narcissistic or self-serving. It didn't that happen in uh, that Making a Murder series? Wasn't there a season two and the guy who was in prison had gotten a girlfriend? She'd reached out to him like one of these women who send letters in and they sort of forged a pen pal relationship and then she ended up dumping him and getting media media attention she like from what that season showed i think she was only in it for media attention okay it's been a while since i've seen it so i'm pretty sure something like that happened there but that's so weird that someone would be like hey now this guy that's done the murder and everything let's make this about me isn't that fucked up like that's that's that is that is some fucking narcissism on another level yeah, yeah, yeah. He done the murder and people are dead and stuff. And that's bad and sad. But me. Jesus Christ. Since these mostly self-deceptive notions derive from these women's conscious minds, we need to delve much deeper if we're to grasp the subconscious motives behind such melodramatically aberrant behavior. Wasn't that a mouthful? Jesus. And here I should mention that Ramsland notes that some experts in the field regard these women either as incapable of finding love in more normal ways or as seeking a relationship that romantically can never be consummated or I might add domesticated. Okay, so someone's someone's firing shots at these ladies basically and saying, you know what? 
these ladies are only reaching out because because they can't get love in a normal way. What even is a normal way to get love? Because some people think, you know, it's normal to find love in a packed nightclub on a Saturday night. You know what I mean? Now you've got a whole Morticia Adams thing going on here. What's normal for the spider is chaos for the fly. You know, we don't all think, we don't all see shit in the same light. Someone might think that, oh, you you found each other on an online dating site, did you? That's weird. It's way less weird now, but you know what I mean? Although, (laughs) when I think about the context in which they're referring to, where you said just, you know, you essentially do the letter version of a cold call. You cold letter a serial killer. Maybe that is a strange way to find love. Okay, I'm not going to defend it anymore. (laughs) I was getting on this whole, who's to say what's normal, you know? Especially when it comes to love. But then you think about how these people are trying to find love and you're like, oh yeah, that's probably, yeah, there's a, if we're finding a line and saying what's normal and what isn't, we can say that maybe that's not normal. <laughs> uh, sometimes I forget the stuff that I'm defending. So you sort of have to, it takes me a while to get there, uh, realize what I'm doing and then rein myself back in. So I appreciate you um, putting up with me. Probably closer to the mark are the other theorists she alludes to who hypothesize a more evolutionary or Darwinian motive kindred to female primates regularly attracted to, quote, larger, louder, more aggressive males. Up just one level to the human species, we discover women drawn towards super aggressive males who, presumably, can offer them much more status and protection than the average man. Okay. In this article, they note that their key reference here is a recent provocative book on male versus female sexual brains entitled A Billion Wicked Thoughts, What the World's Largest Experiment Reveals About Human Desire by computational neuroscientists Ogi, Ogas, and Sai Gadam. This comprehensive undertaking with a bibliography containing over 1,300 items, Jesus, analyzes enormous amounts of data extracted mostly from the internet to come to conclusions that at times confirm earlier research in the area and almost as frequently contradict what previously had been inferred, thereby boldly turning a good deal of conventional wisdom on its head. Ogas and Gadam find substantial evidence from web searches, posts, and many thousands of romance novels that women demonstrate a strong erotic preference for dominant men, or toward what's now commonly referred to as alpha males. In the author's words, men who are strong, confident, and swaggering, as in cocky, and the pun is intended. Unfortunately, what these descriptors often imply is behavior sufficiently bearish, self-centered, and insensitive as to often cross the line into physical, mental, and emotional abuse that can be downright brutal. Consciously, most women would like their men to be kind, empathetic, understanding, and respectful. But there's something in their native wiring that makes a great many of them susceptible to, quote, bad boys. Possibly because, as the authors quote Angela Knight as reflecting, in a sentiment that echoes the conclusions of most evolutionary psychologists, their inner cavewoman knows doormat men would become saber-toothed tiger lunch in short order. Wow. Okay. So, basically saying, if you're a bitch, let me translate this into 2019 speech. If you're a bitch, dog, you're going to get fucked up. Now you understand. 
Uh, moreover, in responding to the question as to whether some men, such as serial killers, violent offenders, and rapists, might be too dominant for women to accept, Ogas and Gadam note, quote, it turns out that killing people is an effective way to elicit the attention of many women. Virtually every serial killer, including Ted Bundy, Charles Manson, and David Berkowitz, have received love letters from large numbers of female fans. Well, let's not let the Jordan Peterson followers get a hold of that one. <laughs> kind of a different approach there, you know? Jordan Peterson telling the young men... Of this day and age, clean your rooms, tidy yourself up, straight, straighten your shoulders. I don't know why he sounds like Kermit the Frog, but, um, you know, Ogas and Gadam say, you want to get the attention of some ladies, kill, kill. You know, this is, this is a strange 2020 version of um, the game. So instead of, you know, very, very 2019 move, neg. A, a woman, you know, saying, oh, that's a great dress. I saw another girl in the bar wearing that. You know what I mean? Some dumb shit like that. Here's what you do in 2020. You kill. Because, and I quote, it turns out that killing people is an effective way to elicit the attention of many women. Virtually every serial killer, including Ted Bundy, Charles Manson, David Berkowitz, have received love letters from large numbers of female fans. I don't know if that's a good piece of information to be putting out on the internet. Don't tell people this, all right? The fantasy that seems to be operating in such devotees and that constitutes the plot of virtually all erotic slash romantic novels written with women in mind is that the misogyny and jerkdom they might have to battle with in such super dominant males is only temporary, that it doesn't really represent the man's innermost reality, that his violence and lack of tender feelings is only the beginning of the story, and that their unsparing love, affection, and dedication can ultimately transform his character by helping him get in touch with his inner goo inner goo is what they put on there you couldn't say inner self inner feelings you went with inner goo okay i'm gonna read this verbatim it's no coincidence that the whole genre of fictional romance is so hypnotically enticing to so many women that surprise surprise it actually outsells the pornography everywhere out there that's expressly designed to appeal to the male brain which alas focuses more on female body parts than anything pertaining to romance Women regularly purchase an astronomical amount of romance fiction and more and more anonymously through the web. And what this suggests is that while those who fall for serial killers may represent a pathological exaggeration of a female's erotic mind, many women, at least secretly or subliminally, can't help but be drawn toward cold-blooded, controlling bad boys whose dominance symbolizes quite the opposite of what in relationships they're consciously seeking. I haven't really seen them quote a lot of resources. So I'd just like to say that this seems a little anecdotal. Maybe none of these sentences are finishing with like parentheses, some, some person's name, and then a year or a page. That's all I'm saying. And here I should probably mention the astoundingly successful ebook and New York Times bestselling erotic fiction trilogy, Fifty Shades of Grey, which graphically depicts so many scenes of BDSM. The book's phenomenal popularity doesn't at all relate to its originality or creative prose, but to its striking a powerfully erotic chord in so many of its readers. As repeatedly demonstrated in romance novels, heroes aren't simply strong, but competent also. 
and however ironically serial killers seem to fit the bill in this respect too. They may not be corporate CEOs or Hollywood movie stars, but they're extraordinarily skilled at annihilating people. Okay. Additionally, the combination of dominance and competence is typically linked to age. So it follows that those who are attracted to serial killers tend to be much younger than the violent criminals they find so alluring. Much of this might go back to prehistoric times when it was crucial that women choose mates who could best provide for them and their children, as well as defend them from various external threats. In today's society, women typically are far more independent and have the freedom to choose a partner based primarily on mental and emotional versus physical or material needs. But if their hardwiring predisposes them to be attracted to alpha males, modern day rationality can still be offset by primordial instincts having little or nothing to do with reason. And frankly, as a therapist, I've encountered many women who bemoaned their vulnerability toward dominant men who consciously they recognized were all wrong for them. Again, that sounds anecdotal to me. You know, someone's like, oh, I, I, even as a therapist, I've heard a lot of people bitching and moaning. What might also be noted here is that many women experience as enticing the idea of surrendering to a powerful male figure because of its very riskiness. Okay. Curiously, such an acutely felt threat can actually be eroticized by women's minds into exceptional sexual excitement so compelling that, at least on a fantasy level, it's almost irresistible. Add to this the captivating illusion that their special womanly qualities eventually will diffuse the man's aggression to the point that he'll come to reveal his inner mushiness, the norm in romance fiction plots, and you have a recipe for life disaster. For there's much evidence suggesting that female brains are, quote, cued to set out on a mission to tame, heal, or soften the alpha hero's wild heart. So, returning to the women who, who fall for serial killers. Yeah, it did feel like he went off on a bit of a fucking tangent there, didn't it? Uh, such distorted notions about love would seem a perfect setup for the rudest of awakenings. But fortunately, though many women may frequently entertain fantasies of such an impetus romantic involvement and be tantalizingly turned on by all its forbidden elements, very few are actually swayed by such primitive instincts. I, I fucking hate when... I've pieced together like a, a few studies in, into this, right? And I try not to... I go off of themes, so I try not to read all of it because I like for a lot of it to be a surprise for me as well but I fucking can't stand I'll tell you this I, I can't stand when someone when you read you invest all the time into something and it ends up really kind of fucking going nowhere like that last one I'll tell you this much I read a 20 minute study yesterday it said it was like average read time 20 minutes I'm a bit of a slow reader it took me about 25 30 minutes to read it get off my dick all right now 25 minute investment into this study about um the psychological effects of color and color theory based on uh and its involvement in marketing and advertising so i was like that sounds interesting so i'm reading it and then at the end it 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 actually said this right that as long as you use a color for your brand or business consistently it doesn't fucking matter what the color is thanks could have opened with that could have saved me 25 minutes by saying you know what blue trustworthiness purple creative blah 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 things like that but at the end of the fucking day none of it really matters just associate any fucking color you want with your brand uh and as long as you keep repeating it it really doesn't it doesn't really give a shit cool so takeaways <laughs> from 
this this week's episode. I guess I guess women feel like there is I'm trying to find the, the three dot points. Women feel that their love can transform the convict from cunning and cruel to caring, concerned, and compassionate. They feel that there's a wounded child nested somewhere inside the killer that can be healed through a devoted nurturance that only they can provide. Or they might share the killer's media spotlight and so triumphantly emerge from their anonymity and maybe in the process even land a book or movie deal, an aspiration about as cynical as it is narcissistic and self-serving. I wonder, podcast question of the week, do you think women serial killers are receiving an influx of letters like the male serial killers? Or do you think that totally goes back to women being more empathetic than men? So that's why women are more prone to sending out these messages. Because I read some, in preparation for this, I read some uh, letters that were sent from women to actual to actual serial killers and, you know, one of them was kind of just like, hey, you know, you don't know who I am. Uh, you know, I've never like reached out to you before or whatever, but I saw your story and, you know, is there anything I can do for you? Maybe I can send you a book. Uh, I just really feel for you. And this guy murdered his wife and two kids and like buried them in the desert, by the way. But she just felt some kind of, I don't know, emotional... I, I don't know if you would say like attraction, but like need to help maybe. Do you think that that's like implicit in women? I, I mean, we know women are more empathetic than men, but, you know, I'm wondering if if uh, female serial killers are getting any any letters. They're like, hey, here, I put some blood on a vial, go murder someone, put my blood on them. Let's try and confuse the whole sitch. And then they'll be like, hey, this is confusing. Let her out. You know? But that's going to do it for this episode. Head over to One Weird Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to keep up to date with all the goings on. And while you're there, let me know, let me know what you think about these Randy Killer lovers. I'd love to know your thoughts. Um, but don't forget to sign up to the newsletter. You can find the link in the show notes. Uh, and be notified when new episodes go live, as well as getting your mitts on all the images, detailed show notes from everything we talked about today, including that mwah, delicious custom cover art and, and extra tidbits. There's going to be some extra tidbits peppered in there from time to time, maybe some videos, who knows. I got to stop doing Southern Dandy Lawyer, okay, but he's trapped in my brain so he's here forever um you can also email me one weird podcast at gmail.com if you've got any weird or wonderful findings or if you just want to have a chat uh but you can also find me at my pixel persona on instagram and twitter that's my my personal handle uh but yeah you know thank you so much for listening uh i hope you're liking first of all i hope you like the new name for the show i hope you like the new direction that it's going in i'm hoping to uh get some i have the next three episodes of content already lined up so i'm hoping to uh maybe get an extra small one out this week i know i am recording uh another advice episode with david this coming week um but i might be doing something a little different with those but anyway for now um that's gonna do it for this episode share the show with a friend you know i might i might actually in the newsletter i might expand more on 
um, as like an actual little tidbit thing, sort of like where my head's at with all this stuff. But anyway, um, share the show with a friend, leave a five-star review wherever you're listening, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, it really helps people like you find the show and sort of gives that extra layer of credibility. You know what I mean? A little bit of social proofing when people rock up and they go, I don't want to be the first person to try this restaurant. Could be yucky. But they see here, oh, what's that? Kel left a five-star review. This is a delicious podcast. Oh, well, I might, I might eat at this podcast. Yes. Oh, what's that? Shane left a four and a half stars. Stingy fuck. Could have been five. But anyway, what has Shane got to say? Yum, yum, yum. Love this pod. <laughs> oh, good. I might eat this podcast. You know? Um, this has been episode 40. Come back for episode 41. And I'll see you next time.